um, came forward to him, appealing to him. Okay, so who is this guy? Obviously, he's a centurion, which means um, he has eighty to a hundred cent centurion. Okay, 80 to 100 soldiers under his command who, when he says jump, they say how high, right? And then they jump exactly as high as he tells them to. That's first. Second thing, he might be a, a, a God-fearer, okay? If you come across this term in your Bibles, you have. You'll see it next time you read it. Um, he might be a God-fearer. And a God-fearer, and this isn't a perfect de- definition, but uh, in the first century, in the temple, and in the synagogues, you have four types of people. Okay, So obviously, who's in the temple? The Jewish people, right? Like they're obviously there, the Jewish priests, they're obviously there hearing the Torah read uh, and explained and, and, and praying the prayers. They're, they're praying, our Father who's in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Like Jesus didn't make that up. He steals it from these guys. Or I guess, you know what I mean. Okay, like they're praying this prayer um, uh, in the temple. But then also in the temple, which might be surprising to you, you've got just run-of-the-mill pagans, Okay. Just your, your everyday uh, uh, Greek person who's there. Then you've got the Judaizers, okay? People who are so enamored with uh, the Jewish people and the Jewish God and the covenants that they get circumcised and become Jews. Become Jews. But then you have the fourth group of people, the God-fearers, okay? And generally, these are Gentiles, okay? So non-Jews um, who live righteously in the fear of God. They likely keep the Sabbath. They likely give um, alms at the temple. And yet they have not been circumcised, okay? That's the difference between the Judaizers and the God-fearers, okay? This is a group of people who are very sympathetic to the covenant people and their God, yet they hadn't made the leap, so to speak, okay? That- <laughs> That's what's going on here. So this is, and you understand why. Okay. So this is who he is. And, and we get more clarity on, on this is who he is uh, in Luke's version of these events where the Jewish elders actually come to Jesus on behalf of the centurion's servant. And they say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, help this guy out. He's a Roman centurion. I know we don't like the Romans, but this one, he's been good to us. OK, he, he seems to love Israel and our people. And he even built us a synagogue. OK, so he's a he's a God. I think he's a God fear. Um, and so Jesus, hears the request. OK, and Jesus says, I will come and I, I will heal him. And the centurion then says this. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. OK, like the, this shouldn't happen, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Right. No, no, Jesus, no need. Uh, you know, I know you're busy and you get these massive crowds following you. You don't need to come over. Just say the word. OK, you just speak and do this thing. For I, too, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say one, do this. He does it. I say to another, do that. He does it. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. So what you want what Matthew wants us to see here and why I think the centurion is a God fearer is because the centurion seems to understand who Jesus is. We've got a Gentile who's separated from all of these things but seems to have an idea about who Jesus is. Because at this point in the story, right, if we were moving chronologically, Jesus has had the Spirit descend on him like a dove at his baptism. And and the heavens open and and the Father goes, this is my beloved Son and who I am. I don't know what God sounds like, but you know what I mean? We've had that big moment happen. Uh, He's had John, who has lots of followers, announce in front of all of them, behold the Lamb of God who takes takes away the sins of the world. That's a big event. Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding uh, at Cana. He, he's already cleansed the temple. The first, or I, I think, 
I think Jesus cleanses the temple twice. Whatever. Um, I think he, he's already cleansed the temple one time. He's healed the paralyzed man uh, at, at the pool. He's healed the demoniac. Okay, you know, he goes across the sea and the guy's in chains and no one can deal with him. And, and Jesus is, just pets him on the head and that's it. And, he, and he's fixed. And he's healed Peter's mom. Okay? So all of this stuff has, has happened. And these events are well attested to throughout the region. Okay? Like, Jesus is a big deal. Okay, so like after Jesus, after Jesus, amen, that's right. Jesus is a big deal. If you don't get anything today, he's a big deal. He's important. But like after, um, after Jesus has risen from the dead and he's walking with those two guys on the road to Emmaus and he's kind of messing with them and says, hey, what, what's going on? Why are you sad? And you're like, don't, aren't you dumb? Don't you know they killed Jesus? Like he was crucified. He's like, who's Jesus? They're like, how do you not? He's a big deal. Okay, and, and great crowds are following Jesus because of these things, right? I mean, like, like the, the deal with the bread, they're following him to get bread. Like, that guy is making bread and fish. Like, I'm hungry, I'm going to follow him. Okay, they're not following, like, there's not great crowds because he smells good. You, all right, he's, he's, he's a big deal. Great crowds are following Jesus because he's doing things that are signposts and down payments and deposits that point to the, the kingdom of God. Like, that's, that's the point. So that means that all this stuff that he's doing is being discussed in the temple and in the synagogue, right? Hey, did you hear what Jesus did this week? And so I think being a God-fearer, one who's in the synagogue and, and in the court of the Gentiles in the temple, I think the centurion is just hearing this stuff, right? It's, it's around the water cooler and going on. He understands with this little information that he has. He understands that this guy is the Messiah. He's the one that the, the, the priests are reading about every week in the temple and in the synagogue. And as a centurion, this is doubly helpful to him. He understands how authority works. Okay, Jesus is the one anointed by God, marked by God, like saying, this is my beloved son. This is the one I'm well, well, who is well pleased. And he is the one who walks and acts and speaks in the very authority of Yahweh. Okay, and that just means he's backed by the authority of Yahweh. So when Jesus speaks, he's backed by Yahweh. So it's like Yahweh speaks, right? When, when Jesus acts, Yahweh acts. So if Jesus says to a paralyzed man, which he did earlier in the story, hey, get up and walk, Yahweh says a, a paralyzed man should get up and walk. And authority of God, the paralyzed guy actually gets up and walks. Does that make sense? Like he's backed by this authority, and so the centurion understands how, the, how this works, right? The, the soldiers don't obey the centurion just because he's the centurion. The soldiers obey the centurion because the centurion is backed by the empire, right? Like it's another level, you know, it's like you guys don't listen to me because I'm me. You listen to me if I'm preaching from the Bible, right? Because that's the authority. It's the same thing that, that's Going on here, Yahweh spoke, and he created the heavens and the earth. Your word is Yahweh's word, so just speak a word, and that will be enough. I'm a Gentile. I don't understand a lot. I understand this. You just have to talk. You just have to say, get up and be healed, and he will get up and be healed, and that's good. You don't even need to come to my house. That wouldn't be a good thing anyway. Okay, he, he understands what's going on. So something else just to notice here, and we see this with the leper. We didn't read this story um, the leper and the centurion, they approach Jesus uh, not with presumption, okay? They, they approach Jesus with humility and the acknowledgement that the choice to heal before the age to come, right? Because at, at the resurrection, guys, everyone will be healed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everyone 
who trusts in him will be healed. But the choice to heal before that day, okay, which will be beyond words, awesome, belongs to who? Jesus. The choice belongs to him. And so the leper comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you will, make me clean. And Jesus says, I will <laughs> be clean. Okay, And he, he does that thing. And I just want to say that, just like pastorally, saying this is not lack of faith. Okay, it, it, is, it is not a... We're not to look at the story of the leper or the story of the centurion and look down on them for lack of faith. That, that's not what's going on. Acknowledging that God has the right... That God has the right to grant or refuse a request is is not lack of faith, okay? I think it's great faith, okay? Who's the man of faith in the Bible, okay? Hebrews calls who the man of faith? Abraham. Abraham is the man of faith, and Abraham speaks to God in in this way, okay? So if you guys are doing your Bible in a year plan or whatever, you're in Exodus 17-ish, I think we're in 26, and... In our Exodus 17 is God's like, I'm going to destroy Sodom, right? And what's Abraham do? He says, Lord, I'm a man of dust and ashes, okay? Just like the centurion, Lord, you're, I'm not worthy for you to come into um, my house. I'm a man of, of dust and ashes, but if there are 50 people in the city, could you not destroy it? Nope, 40, oh, 30, 20, 10. <laughs> it's up to you. There's, you know what I mean? Does Abraham not have faith? Abraham's the man of faith. Like, no one has greater faith in the scriptures than Abraham. Joab, one of of David's uh, commanders that David kind of later betrays, goes into battle and says, Be of good courage. Let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. Rah, rah, rah. We're doing the thing in the army of the Lord. And then he says this, And may the Lord do what seems good to him. So going into battle, we want to succeed. We want to do this in the strength of God, and the power of God, for the glory of God. But may the Lord do what seems good. Good to him. It's not lack of faith. It's just trusting that, hey, at the end of the day, this this is God's choice. God does this. Does Job not have faith? No, Job Job has faith. Okay? Or what about, I think the best example of this is Shadrach and and Benny. Or if Pastor Derek was here, Shadrach and a big Negro. (laughs) That one always made me laugh. Guys, that guy's having another kid. Another one. And if you've met the third one, another one is a lot. <laughs> okay. Shadrach and Benny gonna, are going to go into the flames. Okay. And they say this, Nebi, King Nebi, Nebuchadnezzar, sorry, I've got veggie tails. And... <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar, our God, whom we serve as the only people serving God in Babylon, okay, very unpopular, very much a minority, our God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. We know what God can do, okay? We're the Jews, okay? Like, we have the exodus in our bones, man. We know that he sent plagues on Egypt, and we know that we put blood over our door, and somehow we got to survive. We know how he parted the Red Sea. We know how he led us by a... a, a Cloud or cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We saw him come down on the mountain. Like we know who the God of Israel is. We know what he can do. We know if God chooses to flex his muscles, that's it for everyone else. Okay? We know that. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Like we're going into the flame. We know he's able to take us out. And we're confident that he will. Okay? 
Like they're not walking in going, man, I hope God does this. You know, like they're saying we're confident that he will. But then they say this, verse 18, but if not, we know he's able to deliver us. He will deliver us. But if not, at the end of the day, it is his choice. Be it known to you, O king, even if we go into this thing and just become barbecue, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, no one's going to say Shadrach and Benny don't have faith. They have great faith. Guys like, and in their faith, they didn't bow their knee. They said, we're just going to go into this furnace and trust the Lord. That's in Daniel. And later in, in Daniel, you get the resurrection of the dead. So even if I go into this furnace, I'm going to get raised from the dead and live forever in a body that you can throw all the fire at it you want. It's not getting destroyed or, or, or decayed. Okay, so do you see my point? Like to pray like the leper and to pray... Uh, like the centurion and to pray like I'm assuming Peter's mom prays with here to say, Lord, if you will, it's not lack of faith. Now, let me give the caveat. Can and and do people pray Lord willing because they actually don't believe God will move and heal? Yes. Yes. We uh, we listen to the radio uh, growing up a lot. And every time they would pray for someone. On the radio, it would just be like, oh, you don't actually think God's going to do anything. <laughs> like it would, and I don't know their hearts, but just listening to it, it's like, oh, you're just saying this because Christians are supposed to pray. You don't actually believe that God will do this. Okay, we, we use, I use Lord willing as, a, as an excuse and as a mask for unbelief all the time. Okay, so I don't want to say that, but I, I do want to say scripturally to pray like the leper and to pray like the centurion, to pray Lord willing or Lord if you will. Now, it's not lack of faith. It's great faith because it's placing your trust in God's hands. Okay, like that, that's what's, what's going on here. Can it mask for unbelief? 100%. We do it all the time, but it's not by itself unbelief. Okay, so now look at Jesus' response. And he says, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under, under my roof. Okay, just say the word and it will be done. And verse 10, when Jesus heard this, when he heard this Gentile centurion say, Lord, don't worry about it. Just speak a word. It says that Jesus marveled. Okay, so if you are the guy who spoke and the heavens and the earth were created the list of things that can make you go, wow, is very small. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like everything, this is not great. Don't, don't follow this too far. I just feel like Jesus has to be so bored all the time. Because everything else, you know, he's not. He's the most exciting, fascinating person in the world. But you get my, you get my point. The, the faith of a Gentile centurion causes Jesus to go, whoa. You know did you guys see that? Like, whoa. Not only does the centurion know he's not worthy of or deserving of anything from Jesus, okay? He's not presuming upon the Messiah here. Because he, what he's doing, I, th- I think Matthew's doing this on purpose. You get the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are the people who aren't presumptuous jerks, okay? And then you get the centurion doing the poor in spirit bit. Lord, I'm not worthy of... Uh, Maybe he's not doing that on purpose. I think he is. He just trusts that a word from Jesus is enough. Like you just got to speak. Gee, I know if you'll speak, my servant will be healed. You don't even have to come over. And then to the centurion said, Jesus said, after he's marveled, he says, go, let it be done to you as you have believed. 
You believe that a word will work? Okay, I'll, I'll speak a word. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Okay, and there's just a lot there that we can't do today. But I just want to deal with... I'm not going to deal with the relationship between faith and healing today. Because that, that would just take a long time. And I'm not ready to do that yet. Um, I, I do want you to see something here that I think is instructive. The servant... Okay, so we got the servant over here. He's healed by a word from Jesus from the guy in the middle. Right? It's, it's the faith of another. It's, it's faith on this guy's, this guy believes on this guy's behalf. And Jesus speaks, speaks a word for him. Okay? The paralyzed servant doesn't go to Jesus. The centurion goes to Jesus on the servant's, on the servant's behalf. Okay? Same thing, Matthew 15, which is another, it's the Gentile lady, which is a, a awkward, passage when when we get there but she's going for her son the son doesn't come the lady comes and says jesus can you heal my son and and so i'll just let you guys make the application there okay he's healed on the faith of another person okay so jesus marvels at the man he 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 speaks a word and the servant is healed and then he gets to what i think is the main point of of this episode here jesus says to those who followed him after he marvels after he speaks a word after he heals this guy he then turns to a mostly jewish crowd okay mostly people of the covenant and says truly i tell you with no one in israel okay with no one among y'all israelites here have i found such faith okay this guy like, he has no reason, really, to believe in who I am. You guys have every reason to believe in who I am. And this guy just exercised more faith than is in your guys' pinky toes. You know what I mean? And then he says, then he says this, I tell you, just because just this centurion, this Gentile just did this thing, let me tell you something else and reaffirm something else. I tell you, many will come. Just like this guy from the east and the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom, those born for the kingdom, will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and there will be gnashing teeth. Okay, So through this episode and, and healing, Jesus, what he's doing here, he's not introducing something new to the biblical story. Okay, So I... My job is is to read and study, and, and, and I'm taking seminary class, so I got to read and study, and just over and over and over, they always say, and this is a new thing that the Jews had no idea about that Jesus is doing, and that's just not true, guys. That's just it's not true. There's nothing new here. Jesus is simply reaffirming the promise of God to Abraham that all the other nations of the earth will be blessed. Okay. God chooses Israel to bless all of the other nations. Jesus is Israel's king, Israel's Messiah, Israel's Lord, Israel's head. And what's he doing in, in Matthew 8? He's blessing the Gentiles. Okay? Not separating from Israel and now I'm Jesus doing this. Like the king of Israel blessing the, the nations of the earth. Like that's what's happening here. And the discerning Jew in the crowd is going, oh, duh. Duh, this is what God said he would do. He's making the point, Jesus is, that righteous Gentiles will inherit the kingdom of God as Gentiles. Okay? They don't have to do the Judaizing thing. <laughs> Snip, snap. Okay? They're going to inherit it as Gentiles. And Jesus is making the point that unrighteous Jews, okay, Jews who would presume upon God's kindness 
based upon their ethnicity or their law keeping, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will inherit a lake of fire. That's what Jesus said. He turns to them and says, look, many will come just like the centurion from the east and the west, and they will have that Isaiah 25 banquet. And many of you who presume upon God because you're physical descendants of Abraham, you will not. Okay, like this is a really intense episode in in the story. Okay, it's shocking and it's provoking. But again, it's not new. Okay, like like no biblical or biblically literate Jew in the first century could, should think this is new. Many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus' vision of eternal life. Okay, so if you ask Jesus what's eternal life, he would say, along with some other stuff. Well, there's a big table. <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are there. And there's Gentiles there too. Because the plan worked and the nations were actually blessed through this one nation. Okay, This is his view of eternal life. And it just, it just comes from, from the, the Tanakh, the, the Old Testament, Isaiah 2. Micah 4, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of all the mountains. It shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations... The Gentiles shall flow to it. And many peoples, the Gentiles, shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the house of the mountain or to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in this path. Is like is the centurion not like such a perfect down payment deposit picture of this? Like this is the vision of the future, guys. The nations coming up to Zion to learn from King Jesus. Hallelujah. The Gentiles, he's just early. You know what I mean? He's just early to the party. And he's going to come and learn. You think like he's hanging around the synagogue and the temple now after his servants healed? Like he's going to be more and more and more. Okay. Isaiah 25. This is Stoney's favorite verse in the Bible. We're going to sing it today. On this mountain. Notice. Not in heaven. On earth. In Jerusalem. On this mountain. The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples. Jews and Gentiles, a feast of rich food, of well-aged, non-alcoholic wine. And, and they will recline at the table with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering that's cast over all the peoples, the veil that's spread over all the nations. Verse 8, Jesus will swallow up death forever. All right. And he must have swallowed up death forever and raised the dead because who's there? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, people who are long dead. I don't know if you knew. They're dead, okay? <laughs> they they dead. They're there because death has been swallowed up forever and the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people, the Jews, he will take away from the earth, okay? That, just sit at home. Read that over and over and over and over, and I'll bet you start smiling, or at least get enough, uh, what's the word am I looking for? <laughs> Encouragement, um, 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 perseverance to get out of bed tomorrow, okay? Because this is, this is where everything's going. A, a, a meal with the resurrected righteous, and all of our tears wiped away. Because we have tears now, I was... Last week's sermon. A lot of tears now. Not forever. This is where everything is going. Isaiah 56, same thing. And the foreigners, the Gentiles, the strangers to the covenants, those without hope and without God in the world, who join themselves to the Lord, like this centurion, they to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. These Gentiles, I will bring where? Where's he going to bring them? 
to my holy mountain and to make them joyful in my house of prayer. And their burnt offerings and their sacrifices, we won't deal with that right now, will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. All the Gentiles coming up on this mountain to worship the name of the Lord. Many Gentiles will join themselves to Israel's God. And just, I'm going to get to this at the end. I just want to, I feel like I'm supposed to say it now. You're down, down payment of this, yeah. right? Like there's no Jewish people in here to my knowledge, right? You're all Gentiles who are early to the party. <laughs> you just, you just got in early. Praise God. <laughs> Man, that is really cool. Like God actually does the stuff he says he's going to do. Isaiah 49, behold, these shall come from afar. Behold, these from the north and the west. Many will come. Zechariah 8, thus says the Lord of hosts, the peoples, the Gentiles shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts. Where? In Jerusalem. And to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. In those days, this is hilarious. That's why I put it in here. In those days, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take the ro- hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Right? Like, hey, man. This is a, me and Stoney talk about this a lot when we're reading our Bible. Like, I just wanted you to explain this to me. Because I'm, I'm just a dumb Gentile, guys. Like, I'm new to the party. I, I'm new to the covenants. I'm new to, to, to what God has spoken and I just want someone to help me with this. Well, someone will. Hey. <laughs> Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> Whom has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. So I don't have time, but north, south, east, west. North, south is usually talking about the Jewish people, right? Because they're scattered. Israel and, and Judah and East and West is generally talking about Gentiles. Okay, so the, the, the vision of, of where everything is going is, is Jews and Gentiles coming up to worship and love and serve and, and eat and drink and laugh. and like This is the expectation and this is the hope of the scriptures that God will, will take Gentiles for his name. And the shock of, of the New Testament is that Gentiles are coming in early, okay? Like there's two, uh, there's three, I'll just do two. There's two huge shocks in the New Testament, okay? Otherwise, everything else pretty much fits in the Old Testament. The shocks are this, one, that the Messiah suffers and dies before he enters into his glory, okay? Now, is that in the Old Testament? Sure, they, they just didn't see it, okay? That's a shock. When Jesus died, everyone's like, Okay, <laughs> what do we do with this, you know? All right, the second shock of the new, and, and just spoiler, he rose from the dead, okay? He didn't stay dead, and, and it gets better, right? Okay, but that was a shock when the Messiah died. Like, this is the anointed one of God. He's not supposed to die. Jesus rises from the dead and says, well, actually, didn't you read your Bible, right? <laughs> and I told you like six times that I would do. Anyway, the second shock is that Gentiles are coming in before the day of the Lord, right? Because these are all, they get all this. Yeah, at the end of the age, a bunch of Gentiles are going to come in. They're not ready for it to start happening now. And this is like the the deal with Acts, okay? 
So the, 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 the point of Acts is that Jesus uh, rises from the dead. He teaches his disciples about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And they say, oh, are you going to do that now? And he says, it's not the time. Don't worry about it. You guys go to Jerusalem. You're going to receive power from on high. And then you go into all the nations and, and preach the gospel. And so they do that. And they're like shocked that it works. Right? Because they start preaching the gospel to Gentiles. And Gentiles start getting saved. And the way they react is like, oh, I didn't know this would actually work. What are we going to do about it? You know what I mean? And so Acts 15 is, is the Jerusalem council, and they, they come together with this question, like, hey, what do we do with the Gentiles, right? Do we need to, you know? <laughs> and every, everyone's losing their mind because Gentiles are turning from idols. They're trusting in the God of Israel, and they're baptized in the Spirit. And it's like, what do we do with that? So James pipes up and says, brothers, listen to me. Okay, you've all talked. My turn. Simon has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with this. So that's what James says. Like, oh, we knew this was going to happen. The shock is it's happening now. All right. Like, and this is kind of the scandal of history right now is that this is a room full of Gentiles worshiping Yahweh. The God of a guy in the desert, you know, 4000 years ago, like we're worshiping that God. Okay. If the point of the story today, and there's a, the gospels move fast, so I'm just going to have to pick one thing every week. We can't do the whole bit, but the point of the story is that God is taking Gentiles for his name before the day of the Lord. Like The question for us is what kind of Gentile are you going to be? Okay? Are you going to continue in idolatry? Right? To use... Daniel's language, letting the the full amount of your sin build up on your ledger before he comes to judge, or because that's the that's what Gentiles do, or will you be like this centurion who not only heard the word of the Lord, probably on the outer courts of the temple, who who not only heard about the Lord's mighty acts, who not only heard about the compassion of the Lord, and this is something I'm. I just didn't have time to deal with this morning. I just want you to see the compassion of Jesus and all all these stories. This guy's got some skin disorder, and, and Jesus says, yeah, I'm willing. I want to do that for you, okay? Peter's mom got a fever, right? Not to us, maybe not like a huge deal, and, and Jesus goes and, and lays hand, hands on her in compassion. Obviously, the centurion servant who's paralyzed, and Jesus says, yeah, I, I, I want to help. Like This is my heart for these things. He's heard about the compassion of the Lord, who not only heard all these things, but this centurion actually trusts in them. To the point where he says, you don't even need to come over. Just say it, and then I'll leave. And Trusted in it, and gave himself to the God of Israel in full submission to, to his authority. Okay, This is what it means. One thing it means to follow Jesus is to say, you are the boss. Okay? You are not, not me. You're the boss. And this is the sort of faith that I want to live with, that I want us to live with. Absolute trust and absolute certainty that every word that God has spoken will come to pass. Right? Just speak a word, God, and it, and it will be done. And if the centurion believes this... Unlike eight mighty acts that happened before this, if he believes based on that, how much more then should we believe based on an empty tomb? Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like if he can believe that Jesus can just speak a word because he turned water into wine, I can believe that Jesus just needs to speak a word because he's not dead anymore. You know, <laughs> like that's what's going on. And, and then he, I know he ascended. I don't know, he's seated at the Father's right hand making intercession. I can have way more faith than this centurion. And I know that he sent the Spirit to me to help me believe these things. I can believe more than this centurion. And I have a promise from the mouth of Jesus that he will come again. So the centurion's faith is great. And it causes Jesus to marvel, I think, because he's got so little information to deal with. Okay? Our faith can be greater because we've got, we just got more information. Okay? And so if you will, if this, if this is the, the kind of person and, and kind of heart posture that we'll give ourselves to, if we'll repent of our sin and, and trust in God, not only, so Isaiah finished, I mean, Matthew finishes the section with Isaiah 53, right? He has borne our, our diseases by his stripes. We have been healed like the, that whole suffering servant on our behalf thing. If you believe and trust in this, all of that becomes true for you, okay? And, and you're healed by his wounds. Sometimes in this age, guys, we're going to lay hands on the sick and they're actually going to recover, okay? I, 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 we've prayed for lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people and that hasn't happened. Next person I lay hands on, I'm expecting them to be healed. Like that's just, that's how you, that, that's all you can do in this age. Like you can't, oh, it didn't work once. We're not going to pray anymore. No. No, Isaiah 53 is true. <laughs> it's true. We are healed by his wounds sometimes in this age, but certainly in the age to come. Okay, so that's true if you'll be like the centurion. And second, all of those other eschatological passages I read come true. You will, as a Gentile, come up to Jerusalem, sit at a table, and eat, and drink, and laugh, and play. And enjoy living in a resurrected body in a world without end. And all you'll ever know is love and joy yeah. and peace. And, yes. and <laughs> we can talk to the centurion too. <laughs> hey man, you made Jesus go, whoa. Yeah. In the age to come, you'll approach God as a Gentile. And you'll feast at a great banquet. And you'll sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in a world that never ends. Okay, hallelujah. We have the music team come up.